Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. Sarah Maloof, a native of Memphis, Tennessee, now resides in Madison, Mississippi as an IIN certified health coach, host of Wellbeing Well Said podcast, and lover of all things wellness. Sarah actively believes in and practices principles learned through her time at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, seeing health and wellness through a whole person lens versus simply looking at diet and or weight. When working with clients, Sarah starts with then deeply examining the mind and body connection along with the key component of spirituality. All right. Well, I'm so excited to have Sarah Maloof with us on the podcast. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, SK. This is fun being on the side of the mic. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. And I just found out, okay, y'all, Sarah is actually a Sarah Catherine. I didn't go by SK, but yes, Sarah Catherine, my Instagram handles and everything were always SK Dawes. And I have a couple of friends who would call me that, but yeah, small world, small world. Yes. Those SKs have to stick together. I'm just saying. <laughs> I like it. Yep. Well, I'm so excited that you're here joining us today, and we have so much to unpack and talk through, and I'm just very excited about that. But before we begin, I always start the podcast off with, how are you surviving and how are you thriving this week? And so I will kick us off while you might be thinking through that. So y'all, how am I surviving? Well, this past week, I have to admit, it's been a crazy just season in life, and I came home one day. And I walked into just the worst smell you could ever imagine oh, in your right. home. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get sick. And I walk up the stairs and literally my poor dog, who is like my like love, my pride and joy. Her name is Mayfair, also known as May May, was very, very sick. Just, just as you could imagine, just, I'm not even going to go there, just mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm. And I was like, oh, and of course it was like 5.30. I take her outside quickly for her to go to the restroom. I mean, it just smelled horrendous. I called the vet like frantically and was like, okay, can I come in? Like, is there, are y'all about to close? And they're like, well, we'll hang in there for a little bit longer, but we close at six. So if you can get here before then that'd be great. And so I rush, throw her in the car with some towels, literally did not have a chance to even wash her off, go to the vet, finally get into a room. Of course, they shoved me into this small room with my dog who was covered in just, just crap, oh. truthfully. And I was still in literally. my work clothes and she is literally, I think she's just trying to like mess with me. Mayfair is she's like rubbing up against me and trying oh. to be sweet. And I'm like trying to push her off. But I just like fell out laughing at that point because like literally, you know, Oh crap. Like, what can you do? Like stuck <laughs> in this small confined space with my dog who smells, um, luckily she got a shot. We've got meds going. She's doing so much better, but it was really scary and also comical. I think you can always laugh at yourself in those moments, but, um, they didn't offer to bathe her, you know, at that point in time, cause they were closing. So I still had to bring her back into my car. Oh <laughs> my gosh. No, from. I cannot believe they didn't at least stay a few minutes to rinse her off. I know that would have been nice, but we, we got back and my poor husband was like on his hands and knees scrubbing everything. We like had to deep clean everything. It was, we showered, like we like bathed her like three times. Um, so, you know, just an ever dull moment in the Vaughn household. So that was, uh, how I'm surviving this week. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's and then, rough. yeah. And then how am I thriving? Great, great question. So I'm actually transitioning to a new position as um, a director of marketing strategy for an agency here in Birmingham. Super excited about it. I was actually able to negotiate two weeks off. So I'm having like a two week hiatus in between this past job and then this exciting new job that I have coming up. And so just really thriving in this time of like a rest like relaxation, trying to regroup just mentally and physically and just really get into a good routine 
so I can start strong for the next position, but just very, very excited about this new opportunity. And it's just so needed and just exactly what I've been hoping for. So that's how I'm Congratulations. thriving. Congratulations. Yeah. So what about you, Sarah? Well, I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm not going to complain because I guess it's a really good problem to have when you can't really think of how you're surviving. <laughs> um, it kind of goes hand in hand with my, I'm thriving. I feel like right now, I'm not going to lie. I feel very at peace, very happy. There's a lot of things going on in my life. And the biggest one right now throughout the month of July is a ton of travel. And it's just, so I guess the surviving part is that I've been pretty tired because I'm out of routine and a lot going on and early flights and late nights and all of that. But I'm not going to complain because all I wanted last year was to travel. All I wanted to do was leave my four walls, you know, and go somewhere. And so I do like routine though. I do like, um, plans and routine and my sleep and all of that. So I've been a little thrown off lacking there a little extra tired, but mostly I'm thriving because so we were in Austin last week. We, I tagged along on my husband's work trip and then we came back for a night or two and we jetted off to Memphis where I'm from to celebrate a friend's engagement. And then we came back and I'm, I'm leaving the house 3 30 AM at 3 30 AM on Thursday and going with two girlfriends, um, to the Hamptons, which I'm very excited about. Ooh. Yeah. And, um, so I'm already thinking about, you know, waking up at three, but of course it's, totally worth it. So I'm very excited. Yes. Take lots of pictures. I'll be living vicariously through you. Oh yeah. This is probably a once in a lifetime thing for me. My friend, one of my friends is living there and she's a live-in nanny for a family. And so we had the opportunity presented to us because they were kind enough to say that my friend Heather and I could come stay. So I'm just jumping on the chance, you know, I'll have that in, have an in there. So I'm pumped. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I'm glad to hear that you are thriving right now in this season of life. And how much fun is it to get to travel so often? That's a, that's a great time, especially after all the craziness with the pandemic. So good for you. Thanks. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and I can't, can't complain right now. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to give a disclaimer about just kind of the heaviness of what we're about to talk through and unpack. And just want you to be aware that it's not an easy conversation as we dive into wellness and um, even eating disorders and just kind of thinking through how to view yourself and others through a healthy lens, a healthy perspective of, of really taking your body and, and appreciating it and finding beauty in who you are and not tying it to your worth, but just celebrating um, where you were at in this season of your life. And so mm-hmm. according to the Center for Mental Health Services, 90% of those who have eating disorders are women between the ages of 12 and 25. So let mm-hmm. that sink in for you. Like that's a pretty big gap right there in between. And I even think it starts much earlier than 12. Um, I even think back to when I was you know, six or eight years old, finally being aware of, of that, not maybe not like putting myself down or others, but just being aware of the difference between people and um, not really knowing from that early age, how to even like navigate those thoughts, those feelings, and even the conversation surrounding size. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would love to hear your perspective, Sarah, as a health coach, as a fellow podcaster, who discusses wellness, what does it mean to you to live well? Hmm. Well, yeah, that stat is pretty alarming, but I can't even say I'm surprised by it for me living well. So I'm actually working on an ebook and a course diving more into this topic right now, because I have broken out well, the word W E L L in an acronym, actually, that is what it means to me. So I start with the W, which is finding a why. And I'm going to be brief because like I said, I'll dive more into this on some things I'm working on, but I really think getting connected to a why specifically bigger than you. So like, you know, bigger than a gene size or bigger than what you look in the look like on a, you know, or what number you see on a scale or whatever that has to do with weight as much as it does with why do you want to be healthy? Like, why do you want to live life to the fullest? And why do you want to show up for yourself and others? And I think it, again, it can be within yourself, but it has to be bigger than yourself. So like, for example, if you're a mom or you want to have kids, you want to be so healthy and well that you can carry a child and, you know, go through childbirth and 
then be a good mom and show up and play on the ground with your kids. Or if you don't want kids, but you have a partner or coworkers, you know, you want to show up for them and be your best self. And it could be a number of things, but just overall diving into a why. And again, that's a big, that takes a lot of journaling and self-reflection and, um, meditating and prayer, I think to really know what you're connected to. And then from there you go into E, which for me is energy. And I mean that in it's tiered. So your physical energy, your spiritual and your emotional and mental energy all are so connected. Um, energy being obviously physically like exercise and movement, but then also a spiritual practice, your emotional well-being, your mental practices, all that is so important and tied to your overall well-being. And the first L for me would be love and relationships. So really looking at how those are impacting your day-to-day life, your own mental health and well-being. If you're in a toxic relationship, maybe looking at ways out of that, or if you're the one being the toxic person in a relationship and it doesn't have to be romantic, it could be within your family or your friend group, thinking of ways in which you can improve those relationships, because that'll seep in. If you're in a toxic relationship and, or in a toxic atmosphere in general, it's going to seep into everything else. And then the last one would be listening and learning. I don't think we're ever going to have it all figured out. I might be something, be doing something or practicing in a way that serves me today. It might not serve me tomorrow and being willing to listen and adapt and learn from others who you might not agree with, who think or act differently than you, but just being receptive and open and kind hearted and always learning and never thinking you've got it all figured out and being a constant student of your own practice. So I'm sorry that was kind of long-winded, but that is what it means to me to live well. I love that. Like that is so great. I've never heard it, you know, boiled down to an acronym, but I think that really makes a lot of sense and is very purposeful and intentional. I think it takes it from just like this, you know, I, I want to be a certain size to being like, I actually want to like live my life in a meaningful way. And I think that's what wellness is. So I think that's really awesome that you mentioned that. Mm, well, thanks. Yeah. It's so much more with every single day. I realize that things are so there's just, I want to live my life to the fullest and that might look different every day. That might look different at different weights that might look different, you know, as a single, as it did as a single person, as now a married person. And one day maybe a parent, like it's just life is ever changing. And so we should be too. And I think being adaptable and continuously growing and learning from not only the world, but yourself, your intuition and what's going on in your body is a really good way to learn and grow and become more and more of a well-balanced person with each day. Yeah. And I even loved like the last L like listening and kind of adapting. And I mean, I don't think any of us have it all figured out, right? Like on this podcast, that's what I'm in pursuit of is like knowledge and community and, and seeking to understand and hearing all sides and all perspectives. So I think that's such an incredible part to everyone's journey, whether that be wellness in your career, personally, you know, in your relationships. I think that's so true. And and I think it's all about how you live it out. So I think that's great. Mm -hmm. You just said something briefly, but my husband is a better listener and I'm a better talker just historically. And he has said to me, you know, we need to both work on listening to understand instead of listening to respond. And that has really stuck with me. I've said it before on various platforms, but it's something that I try to remind myself daily. I don't have to have the answer. Sometimes I don't even need to have an answer. I just need to listen more than I need to respond. Yeah. What inspired you to want to really live out a holistic lifestyle of wellness and really coaching others along the way? This has been such an evolution. And honestly, up until very recently, I didn't even like telling my quote story because I felt like I didn't have one. Don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful that I have not suffered from an eating disorder or disordered eating in the past. I was never chronically ill or struggling with obesity or anything like that, where I had some traumatic or drastic life change, but I've realized that there's a lot of people like me. And when I say like me, you know, 20, 30, 40, something year old person, particularly women who think they're kind of living healthier, well, and they're like kind of doing the right things, but then sometimes they're not. And, you know, maybe they don't really want to lose a lot of weight, but it'd be nice to lose five or 10 pounds or just really have more energy or make, you know, 
better, feel better about your choices, just kind of the day-to-day stuff that a lot of women go through. And I did notice after college, a couple of years out, I, and again, I never gained a drastic amount of weight, but there was some weight on there that I thought, okay, I don't need to be drinking every day and eating fried food. Like I did in college, like let's kind of reel it in. And I started taking care of myself by exercising and just cooking at home. Like it's people always look for a magic answer. And I I just remember specifically telling someone once when they asked how I lost some weight, I was like, it's really not rocket science. I started working out and cooking and eating better at home. So I took care of better care of myself. And then flash forward, I met my now husband and he is an ex college football player. He's a big guy with a big stomach who loves to eat. He's like, just, he's not overweight. He's just likes to eat. And when I was as ironic because I love to cook, but at the time I didn't really love to cook. I just cooked to survive and would kind of do the same meal over and over, like a lot of Turkey burgers and veggie and veggies. And then like, you know, pastas with olive oil and topped with something like, I don't know, salads, just basic 20 something year old girl food. (laughs) And he was like, listen, I love you, but I'm not eating this way every night. Like I'm bored and I'm still hungry. And we were dating and it was a fun thing to do to start cooking together and specifically trying to make foods we liked a little bit healthier. So we were doing a lot of that. And every now and then I post on my Instagram story, what I was cooking and a couple of people would be like, Oh, what is that? What's the recipe? And I'm like, well, I don't have a recipe. I just made it up. And they're like, Oh, wow. That's cool. And so then I decided, you know, I'm just going to start a separate page for anyone who actually cares about what I'm eating or what I'm, how I'm living. Like I'll just post it there. And then through that page started finding some girls who were like-minded who had gone through IIN. So the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where I decided to enroll and got my, obtained my health coaching certification. And really it's just been an evolution since there. I mean, I keep having, I have the Instagram and I, you know, I do work with people one-on-one sometimes in group and that's evolving and getting more into that later. But honestly, it's like my ideal client or person I'm speaking to a follower on Instagram, whatever is me. Like, I just realized that there's the space of people that, that like, we're not really talking to or about as much. Um, some people are more now than they were three years ago when I started the account, but it was like, okay, you know, we've got the fitness crew. We've got those who are trying specifically to lose weight and we've got all these diets and the, you know, kind of diet culture mentality with the exercise plans. And then we've also got this beautiful body positivity movement and, you know, in, embracing our bodies, as maybe a plus size woman. And I mean, both that could be beautiful on both ends, but I was like, what about the size six, you know, like, what about the girl who's just kind of a little bit lost in the kitchen or kind of just struggling with not chronic mental illness, but like anxious thoughts and, self-consciousness and these things that I felt in my own life and I was working through. And so I just decided, you know what, someone else is going to relate to this. I'm going to start putting that out there and see who wants to dive into this further with me. No, I think that's so powerful and so great. And I think that I can easily even identify as, as that anxious person in the kitchen who just simply doesn't even know like what to string together. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that you've built a community surrounding that. Mm, Well, thank you. It's, it's just really, um, I don't know. I just feel so passionately about women finding freedom in their lives and just trying to live life. As I've gotten older, I've realized how short this life is. And we are, we have so much to be grateful for. And every day I'm just trying a little bit more to see the beauty in these gifts. I know it sounds cliche and cheesy, but I don't want to be one day at my funeral. No, one's going to get up and talk about what, how much I weighed and no one's going to get up and talk about how much money I made. And no, one's going to talk about X, Y, Z, but what they are going to talk about hopefully is how I impacted people and how I lived a life that was full of love and meaning. And that's really all that matters. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I think that as you get older, your priorities change and you start to see the world from a different lens. And so I think it's yeah. like, how do I actually live my life in a way that feels very intentional and very much like myself. And I think it takes several years of like self-discovery and figuring out what that looks like. But 
what a time to like do that now and and to seek out like a purposeful filled um, mission driven life. So I think that's incredible. You know, I have to ask this as you work with clients and as you dive into wellness with each of your clients, like what does that look like with working with a health coach? Like break that down for me because I've never worked with one. So I don't even know, like, what does that even look like? Sure. Well, everyone operates differently and I can just speak for myself, but I personally prefer to work with women around my age, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, I'm 30. So really kind of anywhere in that range. But I also am not a nutritionist or a doctor. So I, if you have a chronic illness or you medically need to lose a significant amount of weight or anything like that, of course, I'm not the person that you should come to first. I, again, I spoke already to who I kind of ideally work with, but I don't, I start completely internally. A lot of times I see people either, even just as a DM on Instagram or someone who I'm working with will come to me and think that their external problem is the problem when really it's just a symptom of the internal issue. So, you know, someone's saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I can't stop binge eating or I can't stop, you know, with, I don't know, fill in the blank. Let's use binge eating for an example. Um, cause I can remember this conversation with one of the clients I worked with. She was like, I just ate so much over this past weekend or this week. I was just, couldn't stop. I felt really out of control of my body. And I kept asking the question of why, and we kept going back and forth and we kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down. And at the root of the issue that coming weekend, she had this travel planned and she was going out of town to visit with some people she hadn't seen since college. And there were some surrounding relationship issues there that made her anxious and that she was actually very anxious. And that anxiety was just triggering eating, you know, that eating overeating that she thought was the problem was just a symptom of her anxious mind. And so then we could sit down and work through what exactly was making her anxious. How can we talk through this a little bit? How can we better prepare you for the situation that's coming up? And I always like to start there with the internal. And then as we move on, before we ever start taking away anything, I always like to add, I think people feel very accomplished when they can add something into their life that makes them feel better. And so that's less defeating to me. We can all easily add, you know, one more glass of water or 10 minutes of walking outside or two minutes of prayer or whatever it is. And adding something that makes you feel better, again, makes you feel accomplished as opposed to the alternative. If I said, okay, you're not allowed to eat any sugar or refined, you know, refined sugar or carbs or whatever this week. Well, that's not, that's not realistic. And we're all going to mess up and then you're going to feel bad. And you're going to say, screw it. I already get the cookie. I'm just going to eat seven more, you know? And so that's what works for me. And then as we move on, we do start really talking more about our relationships towards food, our relationships with others. But I really talk more about primary health, which primary health is broken out into categories being your spirituality, your physical activity, your relationships, and your career. And those are big pillars that impact us internally before you see the results externally that I try to get aligned and work through and speak through with my clients before we even talk about our diet. Yeah. Like, wow. How cool is that to really kind of dive deep in the beginning? Cause a lot of it is internal. You don't even think about that. Like what are people going through? And, and you can tell what you can just tell sometimes when someone is really struggling Mm -hmm. and they turn towards food. Um, I myself am somebody who has, has had that in the last couple of years of just the stress and anxiety with work and just trying to be all things for all people that at times, like you don't always prioritize yourself and that can catch up with you. So I think that's incredibly important that you start there Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So as women at times, it can really feel like we're all striving to hit some number on a scale or even fit into a certain mold that society has designed for us. How have you personally managed to maintain a healthy perspective in the midst of a diet culture? I want to start by saying that I am not against healthy weight loss or anything that changes your appearance, as long as your why is aligned and it's not assigned to someone else's requirements of you. So for example, if you want to lose five or 10 pounds in a healthy manner, 
you know, and, and your why is genuinely just because like you might, you're okay right now. You know, you don't think you're hideous or ugly or like, you know, whatever, or someone's going to only love you if you lose weight, you know, as long as you're mentally in a good place where you're like, no, I just think that I'd feel a little more confident or I'd have a little more energy. I don't find anything wrong with that. And that, you know, I've said on my podcast, I, I love Botox and, you know, whatever these cosmetic procedures, as long as you don't think that you're going to gain this credibility or love from an external source because of the change, I think it's fine. So I want to start by saying like really looking within before you and knowing your why before you alter anything that for me is what I always go back to. I always look within and think, would I be okay if this didn't happen? Like, would I be still confident in Sarah and who I am as a person, as a wife, as a friend, whatever, if I didn't lose this weight or if I didn't do this procedure or I didn't dress this way or whatever. And if the answer is yes, then I'm like, okay to proceed. But then if I think that I find myself thinking I'll only be pretty when that mentality to me is a red flag to say, no, 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 because guess what? You're going to lose the five or 10 pounds and you're still not going to be confident. You're going to do whatever. And you're still not going, you're still going to feel lost. You at the end of the day only have you. Yes. You can have people in your life who are so important, who love you. Um, well, I should say you and God, I'm a Christian and I fully believe in a spiritual practice, but physically on earth, it's just going to be you. So, you know, it makes me so sad to look at some things in diet cultures for example, like before and after pictures, if it's again, if it's your own, if you have it on your phone and it's your own way of tracking yourself and like, you're in a good place, nothing wrong with that. If you're promoting some sort of diet pill or something, and you're posting before and afters and basically body shaming anyone who looks like the before right now saying it, Oh, look how hideous this person was at this way. And now they're beautiful because they lost 30 pounds. Like, I don't think people really go through that always in their mind and mean to put that out in the world, but I, that's a big trigger for me. And if I looked like the before and saw that picture, that would really trigger me. And so that whole space of the diet culture, again, it makes me sad to feel like you're only beautiful when, so I I don't even know if I answered your question. I can easily rant about some of my triggers in that space, but (laughs) I think that's a valid point. It's like, before and after pictures or even saying like someone who might be really thin in comparison to others in a room is like, man, I feel so fat. Like even those kind of comments at times, like, I mean, you, you can still believe that of course, and, and want to improve your lifestyle and eat healthy, but it's almost in a roundabout way, putting down others who might even be larger than the person in the room. Mm-hmm. So I think like fat shaming or even skinny shaming takes all forms. And I think it's, us as women taking a step back and reevaluating like what is a healthy conversation about my own weight in a public setting versus, you know, my internal thoughts. And I think sometimes we can project those onto others and even in a roundabout way, put them down in the process of that. And so um, size and, and fat shaming and skinny shaming is just such a hard topic because I feel like it's one of those silent things that people go through um, yeah. daily. And it's just not easily talked about kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier. It's like, I, as I've gotten older, like you said, have found what's really, or more and more, I've found what's actually important and what isn't. And at 30, I really want to be known for, I want, when I leave a room, I want people to say she was really kind or she made me feel very seen and understood or, you know, she was relatable. These are like, that is important to me. And of course we're women. Don't get me wrong. Like everyone loves a compliment. If someone says, Oh, that dress looks great on you. Like, gosh, thank you so much. Like, (laughs) of course we want to hear something like that. There's, but I would so much rather someone think I was beautiful because of how I acted and made them feel and how I treated them first. Oh, well, that body figure, that body type of hers, you know, or that figure, or she's got muscle tone, like, yeah, cool. Great. But that's not what I want to be known for. And I really, it makes me sad when I feel like people put so much importance and weight on their weight. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it's sometimes can be a bandaid. Sometimes I think a lot of people are known as the skinny one or as the pretty one or as the whatever. Um, and that's a whole different topic of discussion, but 
Sure. <laughs> and I even think like it's a systemic thing that I think you'd have to unpack past that predates all of us, right? Like even thinking back to times, I kind of go to like Barbie when Barbie first hit the scene and like this doll that fit this mold with a certain size and a certain look. And of course the evolution of Barbie has transformed, especially in the last decade, but there were moments where she even came out, you know, in the, in the early sixties, late fifties of like Barbie on a diet. And it said, don't eat like on the cover. And so you you have to kind of unpack it even from like historical relevance to us. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this wasn't an idea that was originated yesterday. This is something that has been going on for years of what it means to fit a specific mold or box in society. And I think we have to kind of debunk that in a lot of ways and, and, you know, putting such emphasis on women and their value and their worth tied to how they look is something of the past. And it's something that I think we as women have to come together in some ways. And even personally, like, you know, individually, as well as collectively come together and say, you know, that's not me. That's not us. Like we're so much more than just, a number on a scale or, or a size, all of that. I think we even have to kind of dial back a little bit and say, where is this coming from? Cause this is not mm-hmm. me. Absolutely. I, even, I even think of ads too, you know, obviously I'm a marketer. So I think of that kind of stuff, but like, even like shows like Mad Men even kind of depict what it was like in the early fifties, sixties of what advertisement, like what consumers were actually consuming, you know, women make up most of the buying decisions in the household and the ones looking at the magazines and the ads. And if you go back to that and look about how we were depicting women, Mm. um, in that time, it's not a healthy approach. It's not a healthy perspective. And I think that is still very much a part of our culture and something that we have to continue to actively talk about and debunk and continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I'm totally with you. What part do you feel that social media plays now in the role of unhealthy relationships with our bodies, our status, and even our relationships with others? A huge part. And I'm super guilty of this. I think there is good that comes from social media. I mean, opportunities like you and I connecting right now and speaking and having this conversation is because we connected on social media and I've made plenty of friends through social media and people have jobs because of social media. I mean, I think there is a lot of good, but there is for me a lot of comparison, a lot. And there's the obvious of, you know, looking at someone else's beach pics in a bikini and seeing what some other woman looks like. But there's also what I think is actually harder for me is the relational aspect of seeing couples that see seem perfect, you know, and so in love and they're just obsessed with each other. And, and then like, maybe my husband and I got in a fight 30 minutes ago and I'm looking over at him, rolling my eyes being like, why can't you just be more like this guy (laughs) when really you wouldn't really is so silly. Like they could have been fighting 30 minutes, 30 minutes ago too. And just posted that picture, you know, like we don't know. And so I do think comparison is the thief of joy. I actually have a tattoo on my finger that's a greater than and less than symbol that symbolizes comparison being the thief of joy as a reminder, because I need it so badly, especially as kind of a, um, a little bit of a type a, like I'm definitely a type three on the Enneagram. Like I, I care about appearances and I, I like to achieve and I have to remind myself so often it is okay. No one is perfect. We're all putting these curated pictures out there. We're all using filters. We're all like whatever. And even if you're not, even if you don't filter any picture and you post completely raw content, well, you don't have every second of your life posted on Instagram. So not everything is always perfect as seeming, even though it might seem like that on the gram Mm -hmm. it's it again, I don't want to bash it because I do I'm thankful for the connections I've made and the small little platform I have and the podcast and all that that's come from it. But I just have to always check in going back to what we said earlier. I have to check in with myself when I'm feeling bad. If I'm scrolling for too long, it's like, okay, why do I feel triggered by someone else's post? Oh, probably because I'm insecure in a certain part of my life right now. And her feeling confident in that part of her life is actually making me feel bad. So I'm going to retaliate and say I'm triggered and I don't like her and make fun of her when really the problem is me. Mm, That's powerful. And that's so true. And, you know, very relatable. I feel like social media is such a a source of good in the fact that we can use it to encourage others and to stay invested in other relationships. Like if, you know, if your friend lives 
across the world, you can still be connected. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. good in that, but I do think there's a lot of comparison and we were common about you and your husband just made me laugh. Cause I'm like, they probably just smiled for that picture. And like in the middle of an <laughs> argument, if they were like me and my husband half the right. time, uh, right. I'm like, Matt, weird. Matt, we're taking a picture. Come on, come on. And he's, yeah. he's mad. He doesn't want to take the picture. Mm-hmm. We smile. And then we like, you know, could walk our separate ways and I'll talk to my girlfriends and talk to his, <laughs> but on Instagram, it looks like, oh my gosh, they're so in love. And don't get me wrong. I know everyone takes pictures and happy places and not good places. It's not every picture. It's because we're fighting. You know, you know what I'm saying that you just don't know what's going on behind that camera lens. Of course. And it's, you're in great company. I'm also a three on the Enneagram. So definitely be surprised, (laughs) but, um, it is funny because, you know, I think even like in pictures and like the way you angle yourself and filters, like, I feel like that is very much the culture too. And it's so funny. Like I've had people even say to me at times, like, you don't look like your pictures and I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, Hmm, Mm-mm. is that a, is that a backhanded compliment? Is that a compliment? <laughs> or do I need to turn a different direction when I'm talking to you? Like, you know, so it's just funny how social media has played such an integral role in, um, all of our lives. And, Again, I think you have to understand your why back to what you you said earlier about that. And I think you just have to stay confident in who you are and like what your purpose here is um, and not kind of get distracted by all the noise out there. Right. And you said confident in who you are. I did want to also say on the flip side, I, I love following certain people who are so confident in who they are that they genuinely are finding a place in this world by posting pictures of the rolls on their stomach or their stretch marks on their thighs or their cellulite or whatever on their body. And I think that some people that is so genuine to them and I respect them for that. That is not me. Like I'm not, I am very confident in myself. And if I don't look like I'm a double zero in a picture or some of my cellulite showing or whatever, like I'm not, I probably will still post that picture, but I'm not the person to post leaning over in a bikini and like showing my stomach because that's just not me. Like that's people will be like, okay, like she's, so I think it's funny because we can even take body positivity quote unquote. And some people can make a platform of something that's really not authentic to them either. And it looks so good. And you know, but what good is that going to do? If I post a picture that's unflattering. And I say it's, you know, oh, because I'm just putting out this positivity when really I'm like dying on the inside, checking the comments every two seconds. My mental health is like through the roof. Cause I'm anxious. I'm worried about what people would think about me. Oh. And then when people praise me then I'm really just being conceited because, oh, look at this good thing I did. Like that's not me and that's not genuine. And so I just think we have to be careful with on either end. If we post like the most amazing picture of you on your wedding day where your makeup's professionally done and you thought you looked bomb or mm-hmm. this really quote vulnerable picture that is very unflattering with something to say. And if that's not true to you on either end, if that's not true to who you are and the message you're putting in this world, you're really doing yourself and others a disservice still. Yes. Yes. To all of that. Oh, that's so true. And I think that you have to just be authentic. And I think that's hard sometimes to be your authentic self, depending upon like who's in the room. Not that I feel like I'm pretty much myself around most people, but I feel like it works sometimes. I get called professional a lot (laughs) in in my (laughs) intro. I even talk about how much I dislike that because I feel like I'm still a human being. Like I'm still a person, but to me at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much you want to put out there um, in, in an authentic way to employers or employees. So it's, it can be, it can be a balance of, of what makes sense at, at what moment and what you can put out to who and when at what time. So it's mm-hmm. a balance for sure. And, you know, what role do you feel like size plays in work culture? Like I can even go first and say like, you know, like I'm five, two. And when I've been in several just different meetings and, and conversations a lot, I'm usually surrounded by like guys who are six, two. And so I purposefully, which sounds crazy enough, I wear heels because I've been told like, you know, got to be tall and fill up the space to be taken seriously. And sometimes not to wear dresses as much because you want to be taken more seriously, like in a power suit, like for you, have you experienced that personally or seen others in a way, not change themselves, but definitely dress the part to make sure that they fit the mold. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. So I come from a background in sales and most recently for the last several years, outside sales. And I definitely think that, um, 
I'm not trying to say this to sound, Oh, look at me. But for the most part, I think that outside sales roles are filled by, um, a certain kind of look or a certain size, not always, but usually you're going to find more 20, 30s, 40 something year olds who are very, who try to look a little more put together or are of certain weight. If you're overweight, I do think it might be a little bit harder to be in an outside sales role just because of the stereotype of what people assume other people who other people assume they want to be sold by, you know, I don't know if that's fact I have seen. Um, I have seen a couple of people struggle with their, you know, their weight when it's a little bit more like chronic as far as obesity and things like that, get jobs in the field. But as far as I, this might be not what you want to hear, but I do think that it is good to put forth a little bit of extra effort in your appearance when wanting to come off a certain way. And I don't think that's bad. And let, this is what I mean. I think that I could see someone who is beautiful and know they're beautiful and know they're a good person and know that they have, you know, all these amazing characteristics and qualities about them. But if I'm interviewing for them for a job and they show up and their hair is not brush, I'm speaking about a woman. She, she hasn't brushed her hair. She's not wearing a look of makeup and she's wearing clothes that you'd wear to like, you know, um, a Saturday lunch with the girls, as opposed to a business meeting, I, I'm, my instinct is to think, okay, you must not really care that much. And that's fine. Like if that's how you want to present yourself, like in certain industries that might work, but in certain industries it's, it, it doesn't. And I, I don't know that that's, if that's old school, I just think it's good to care about how you present yourself. And that doesn't mean like, I, I, I suck at makeup. Like I don't wear a ton of makeup. I'm terrible at it, honestly, but just a little bit of something to spruce yourself up. And honestly, I think when you look good, you feel good, you do good. I'm a big believer in all that. And so putting yourself together is good being judged based on your weight, size, gender, race, not good. And I hope that doesn't happen a lot. I know it does. I personally haven't seen it a ton. Um, because I'm 30 probably, and I haven't had that many jobs or crazy experiences, but that's my long winded take on your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a hard one. And I definitely think that it's different depending on industry and just like what you're going. And I think that you're, by the way, completely right. I mean, I think you put in the work that you want to see, like the outcome being like, right. Like you put in time to look presentable and look professional when going into a business meeting. Um, it's just interesting. The, amount of effort I feel like at times women have to put forward to really get seen heard and valued in different settings and so I was just curious what you thought were like on size being five two I always ask that question because you'll never catch me in flats um yeah yeah I can't relate I'm five eight so I'm I'm can't relate to being like this and I'm definitely never having having a problem being the one who's not speaking up so uh, maybe I'm not the right person to ask but that's just my take on it. I think also, I just think it's so important to read the room. You know, once I've listen, once I've gotten jobs, of course I've come to the office without, without makeup, or if I don't have big meetings that day, I'll dress more relaxed. But like, if I am seeing people, if I'm customer facing, or there's something important going on a presentation or whatever, just read the room, you know, just, just be your best self. And I think sometimes putting your best foot forward might mean brushing your hair, doing your makeup. And sometimes it might just be letting someone else have the, have the spotlight and, you know, not worrying so much about your appearance. So reading the room is big for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What advice do you give, um, to women going through different seasons of life, um, and their body changes, whether that be like teenage years to young professionals, to, uh, new moms, even older women who are seeking wellness in their lives. I feel like our women are so just strong and their bodies are so resilient, but that doesn't mean that they don't fluctuate and go through different seasons of life. I mean, wow. Like I just feel like the female body is just crazy how strong it is. Mm -hmm. You know, what advice do you give to women who are going through different seasons and who are still seeking wellness in their lives? Ask someone who you love, who you care about how they perceive you and what they think your strengths are. Chances are they're not going to talk about your physical appearance. I have seen this firsthand. Like my mom love her so much. She's such a beautiful woman on the inside and out, but
but as she's gotten older and into her fifties and everything, I've, I've seen her struggle a little bit about how, with how her body has changed and shifted. And of course this was hard for me too. Like, I don't look the same as I did at 23 at 30 at all. Um, and so I get that it's hard, especially when you're so used to seeing yourself a certain way, but like my mom, again, for example, like when I see her, she is literally the most beautiful person in the world to me. And yes, I think she's physically beautiful, but it's more than that to me. It's because she's so caring and she is so humble and generous and giving of her time and her energy. Like she would drop anything to come help me with whatever tomorrow. And her character is what makes her so beautiful to me. And I think we're so easily, we so easily get in our own minds about, you know, how we, how we see ourselves And we think that other people see us that way too. Like we're so worked up about, you know, a zit or weight gain or whatever. And it's like, chances are the people who actually care about you and your well being and who you are as a human think of you the way they do and not at all because of how you look on the outside. And I think it's good to step out of yourself and get someone who you really trust, who you really love to kind of feed into you to get back in line with like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's actually what matters. That's what makes me beautiful. That's what makes me a good person. That's what makes me lovable and loyal and whatever. And then really trying to feel that and genuinely believe that about yourself too. That's really good advice. And, and very true. I think sometimes we just get so in our heads about how we look, how we're, you know, how we acted or, you know, all those little things. But I think it comes down to, you know, character and how you treat others and how you love others well and invest in others that really define how beautiful someone truly is. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question. You know, if you know someone who is struggling with an eating disorder, you know, what, what are the next steps? Like, what can we do to help that individual who might be struggling? Really breaks my heart. It really does. Um, the people I know who have struggled with eating disorders are seriously some of the people I see as the most beautiful humans in the world. And it breaks my heart to think that they don't see that or believe that about themselves because I have not struggled with this personally. I do not claim to be a professional or a master on this topic. I would start by saying, tell someone, tell someone you actually love and trust what you're going through. It could be your mom. It could be your best friend, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever. I think just telling someone would take a huge weight off your shoulders. Cause from what I've seen, people who have struggled with this feel a lot of shame and embarrassment around their eating disorders and a lot of secretness, a lot of hiding. And I think putting that out there to someone that's really, really cares about you would be a good first step. And then of course, then after you tell someone who really cares about you, who, you know, personally seeking that professional medical advice, going to get help, going to see a doctor, going to get treatment, whatever it is, going to therapy, um, really working and growing through and knowing that you're not defined by an eating disorder. You are not, you are not now, and you never will be in the future. You do not have to be that girl with anorexia or that guy with bulimia or whatever, that can be just a small chapter in the book of your life that you can work through and use. And then your mess can become your message. And I fully believe in recovery. I fully believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And again, I don't want to speak. I can only speak with empathy because this is not my personal journey or struggle, but I have seen firsthand people who have grown and learned and become better versions of themselves on the other side. So I know it's possible but yeah, talk to someone you love and then talk to a professional and know that you are not alone and you are not defined by what's going on mentally in your life. People who are dealing with this, like you're not alone. So many people struggle with this and everyone has something they're dealing with. I think it's just a matter of reaching out, like Sarah said, and, and really, um, finding a way through and knowing that there, there is light at the end of all of this. And I loved what you said about your mess being your message. Like, Oh, that's great. Um, I, I, I did that. not coin that myself. That is a Dean Graziosi quote that I have, that I have learned and loved. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he and Tony Robbins are in this, you know, that motivational space. And I, yeah, I love that your mess can become your message. Well, switching gears. Now it's time for the leading ladies. We love a rapid fire game. Get excited. 
Oh, fun. Okay. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to shout out a few adjectives and would love for you to quickly just shout out people that women that you love who are just killing it and doing awesome things. So are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. I'm nervous and I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first word is beautiful. Okay, I already said this, but my mom, George Ann Dawes, she, again, I do think she's physically stunning, but more than that, she is kind and caring, compassionate, godly, generous. I mean, the list goes on and on. She's the best. Great. Next word is successful. Success to me, again, has, um, while I'm thinking about this, like it's changed. If you had asked me five, six, seven years ago, I would have immediately thought about monetary success or career. And now my mind starts going towards other things like family and love. Um, I think right now the first person that's coming to my mind is my sister-in-law Stella and she does have a career and she's an amazing and intelligent woman, but more than anything, she's been through a lot in her personal life and is now the mom of two babies who are only 15 months apart and she's still in a loving marriage and she's still a good person. And I see her as very successful for being able to juggle all of that in such a loving manner. That's great. Next word is passionate. Uh, my friend Lulu, my friend Lulu Martin, a hundred percent. She's passionate. She's an esthetician in Memphis. She's passionate about her job and her clients. And she's so just passionate in every aspect of her life. So loving, so giving. We'll cry with you. We'll encourage you. She's passionate through and through. Next word is brave. Mayaya. My, so Yaya is Greek for grandmother and my grandmother is such a warrior. She is so brave. She's been through a lot through her childhood with a traumatizing and now no longer relationship at all with her birth mother. And then she's been through ovarian cancer twice and she just faces everything with such faith and bravery. And it's truly amazing to me. Wow. Well, that's the end of the leading ladies. We love rapid fire game. For our listeners, how can they stay connected to you? What's your shameless plug? Well, thank you, SK. This has been so fun. I, again, really appreciate you asking me to be on here. Um, I would say the best way to stay in touch with me is to follow me on Instagram. It's at Sarah Maloof underscore underscore because Sarah Maloof is taken by an inactive account. Don't get me started. This is the whole thing. Um, but Sarah, S-A-R-A-H Maloof, M-A-L-O-U-F underscore underscore. And um, through there, you can email me, DM me. Um, I'm on TikTok, but not using it a ton. You can search my name. Um, and then I have a podcast as well. It's called Wellbeing Well Said. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, or really any major podcast streaming platform. Thank Yay. you so much, Sarah. Like this has been so much fun just to connect with you and hear your heart and hear your why uh, for why you really believe in wellness and empowering other women and just excited to see how you continue to grow and, and develop your business. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.